You are listening to the sermons of the late Pastor Frank Hampton Jr., who pastored the Church of God in Jackson, Michigan from 1963 to 2018. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Hampton or the Church of God, please visit our website at www.churchofgodjackson.com. Again, that's www.churchofgodjackson.com. We hope you enjoy the message. God bless. I'd like to invite your attention to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter number 16. And if you'll study along with us. Chapter 16, beginning with verse number 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her master much gain by soothsaying. The fame followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out the same hour. When the master saw that the hope of their gain was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and the rulers. The latter portion of verse number 17, I thought, which show us the way of salvation. And there's a footnote there that says how to be saved. The time then was as the times are now. You would think that a strange question in an age that's so steeped with religion. During this time, it was a time of great religious turmoil, and there was a conglomeration of religions all about them. In fact, this girl evidently had some knowledge of religion, but you notice she sensed that religion alone is not the way of salvation, contrary to common perception. We're living in a time where people feel that they have satisfied themselves with being a part of religion. And especially some of those who are a little more conservative. But we're prayed and we've been impressed to uh, bring these thoughts to you today. Who show us the way of salvation. Now notice the language. Singular. Even though this girl was not saved, but she sensed that everything that's labeled religion does not lead you to eternal salvation. There never has been an age where this message is more needed than today. A rough estimate this morning that in America alone, we probably have maybe 50 million or more people in church. And for all practical purposes, 
have no knowledge of salvation or vast knowledge of religion. Theologians of the first magnitude. But there is a vast difference, and our emphasis this morning will be to differentiate between religion and salvation. And even those who you would expect to know it more clearly are still as vague as strongly as the Bible emphasizes and dissects it. But this girl, even though she was not saved at all, in fact she was demon-possessed, but she knew enough to know that salvation does not consist in religion. This world, this nation, this planet is yet to learn that. And then we will be practical and honest this morning, there will be those in our midst, those who you would least suspect, who would rightly ask the same question. Because their concepts are off. And they want to listen to the situation this morning. Now, we want to define this word. And I'll speak in clarity as we go. Now, every religion offers a way or a salvation of a sort. Because that's what religion is all about. We understand that. And everybody has their dogmas and their ideas and all this kind of thing. And, and of course, it makes it difficult for the general populace. But God will not leave us in darkness if we understand. Among us or wherever. The way of salvation has appeared to all men. Whether they accept it, reject it, or bury their heads in the sand, it has appeared. At some time or another. Why? So that when we get before God in the judgment, no man can say that I would have if I had known. God will reflect them back to the moment when they perceived it. Maybe an instant. But he's only responsible to show you one time. Some of you have been blessed to have it hammered to you Sunday after Sunday. But that's not the case with everybody. And God is not responsible. Just in the, you just happen to be blessed to maybe be in a family or in an atmosphere where salvation is talking to you clearly. And God help us if there are those of us who have sat here from our childhood. And here's this message blasted in charity over and over again. And for whatever reason, you reject it or even defer it. May God help you. The definition for the word, the definition for the word salvation is deliverance from the power of sin and its penalty. Now that alone disqualifies most people's standard of salvation. The definition itself. Deliverance from sin. Well, most religion teaches sin you must. Sin you can't help. Well, then that's not salvation. There is no salvation in that kind of doctrine or teaching. By their own admission, they are defying what salvation is all about. Salvation is deliverance from sin. And you can't be in sin and deliver from sin at the same time. Get this clear. Now, this is the situation. As I've often told you, this doctrine of holiness is good and it's dangerous. 
Why? Because there are those of you who might feel just because you are associated with holiness, you're necessarily holy. But that's not the case. Geographical locations are those with whom you worship does not make you holy. This is a particular way, and it is an individual way. It's not a conglomerate way. This girl, she made a historic declaration here, and maybe she spoke better than she knew. But how true her statement was. These men show us the way of salvation. Now listen, not the way, but the way of salvation. In Isaiah chapter 35, and perhaps verse number 8, maybe read that please. Isaiah 35, beginning with verse number 8. Now listen to the language, if you will. And and highway shall be there. And away. And away. Now listen, here's a contrast here. Get the contrast. God said before you good and evil. In other words, he said, you have an option. God does not cram anything down anybody's throat, nor do we. And that's why. Because God doesn't force an individual, and we certainly do not force people. But he sets it before you. He sets it out plainly before you. And say, okay, you have an option. He says, there's a highway, and there's a way. And I will show you the facets of each way. I will make clear to you each way. I will let you know what it involves, what it's all about, and then you make your choice. But remember this, you're going to live with the choice. And that everlastingly. Read more, please. And an highway shall be there. And highway shall be there. And away. And away. Now here, there's a conjunction there. And, this is what throws most people off. What? They have an option before them. But because of the involvement of the way. Because of the demands of the way. They prefer the easier way. The way of relaxation. The way of least resistance. People don't go to hell because they couldn't have done better. They go there because they chose to go. Because they preferred another way other than that which God pointed out, which only leads to heaven. It's singular. It's particular. You don't have an any, meeny, miny, mo kind of thing. May this be indelibly stamped in your hearts today. There is a highway there and there is a way. Well, why wouldn't God make just one way? Because he wants to give you an option and, and to test the sincerity and honesty of your own heart and that you make a choice. But now here, there's one thing in particular that I appreciate about God in the Bible. He does not lure you into something blindly. He does not dupe you or connive or somehow make you some vain offer. He said, I'm going to let you know exactly what's involved. I must let you know what it's all about. And if for whatever reason, you choose the opposite way, then that is entirely up to you. But religions today don't let people know what it's all about. You join us, you pay a certain amount of offering, and you're in. You go through this kind of ceremony, this kind of catechism, and you're in. You study this book and you're in. But God said, no, it's, it's much to keep us in that. 
is much, much deeper than that. And that's what I like about God's word and Jesus Christ and God himself. He made it crystal clear. He didn't hide anything. All right. Read more. And it shall be called the way of holiness. It shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over Now you're here. Now here's the situation. The unclean shall not pass over it. If you are involved in unclean practices, you're not a part of this way. Unclean speech, unclean behavior in any area, unclean practices, unclean involvement, being contaminated by the world, unclean attitudes, disqualifies you here and hereafter. The unclean shall not pass over it. That's an indictive. Whoever you are, irrespective to your status in life, the unclean shall not pass over it. Well, it remains clean in his own eyes, so he doesn't leave it to you. God judges that himself. See, every man can explain his own plight and come out lily white in his own estimation, but God doesn't leave it to you. That's why David says, search me, Lord, because I might overlook something here. I might favor myself in my examination. And I might call the unclean clean to my own eternal detriment. So, Lord, you search me. And that's what God is doing this morning with the word searching you. Read. But it shall be for those. It shall be for those. This is the way we're talking about the way here. We're talking about the way. There is no other. Create what you will, there is no other. God finalized this. This is the bottom line. Read. The wayfaring men. The wayfaring men. Though fools shall not err. Though fools, listen, it's not difficult to perceive. Now listen, people hide behind. I'm confused. There are so many denominations, so many religions and all this kind of thing. Well, listen to me this morning, you want. That excuse will not avail in the judgment. Why? The word of God says it's so plain that a fool or even a wayfaring man need not err. So it's not the ambiguity of the word. It's not ambiguous and difficult and, and foggy and difficult to perceive, but it's the unwillingness to submit to it. It's not the difficulty of it. It's not the confusion of it. It's clear the noonday sun. But people are looking for an easier way. A less involving way. A less demanding way. So, since that's what they want, God give it to them. Read more. No lion shall be there. Now here, this is the situation. We know the millennials and all those kind of people teaches that there'll be a, a millennium when all the lions and the sheep and the goat and all that kind of thing will lay down together. But there are no lions in the church anyway. So he's not talking about Leo and, and all those guys. He is talking about people with that kind of nature. Now you can get it, children. This is the situation. Now we're coming home with it. He is talking about people with that kind of nature. What? A lion. Do you know why? And you perhaps heard me say it before. A lion is called the king of the jungle, not because he's stronger than anybody in the jungle. Or he might not be able to beat everything in the jungle, but he's so defiant. He's defiant. He's, he's fearless. 
He defiant. He gave the most terrifying roar in the world. So those people who in the church were defiant. As a rule, lion does not eat carry on. Uh, he was fresh blood. You have people like that in conspicuous spots in the church. Even those claiming to be in the church of God, those kind of spirits, defiant spirits, carnivorous spirits, a spirit that would, would tear you asunder at the least provocation. No lion shall be there. This is a peaceable kingdom. Even when you're provoked. Even when things are not going your way. Even when you are wrongly. You know, you can't legislate peace. Peace has to be wrought in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You can't just decide to be peaceable because you're not peaceable by nature. Your nature has to be changed. A lion should not be peaceable because he has a wild nature. You've heard me tell the story about this man once who had a pet tiger, raised him from a kitten, and how that he would play with balls of twine just like a pussycat. He would crawl up on the bed and claw at the bed cheek and, and the best bread and climb up in the bed and all this kind of thing. He, and this man, as he began to grow and the fangs began to protrude in those claws, one morning was shaving and he cut a bump and that fresh blood. And that little fella climbed up and was just licking over me like he normally did and he tasted the fresh blood. Then he knew the difference. He tore him to shreds. That fresh blood brought the wildest out. You got people who act like little cats. Mules and all. Amen. I mean, they act as harmless as can be. But let an occasion arise that stirs that nature in them. You better pray. You better pray my sentence this morning. You have not seen the worst of most people. If things are working in their favor, they're little kittens. But defy them and you'll see that spirit. Cross their plans, their plights. And you'll see something that you've not seen here before. But the Bible says those kind of people are not here. In the church of God, your plans and your hopes might be blighted wrongfully. But the spirit will remain the same. It won't change your spirit. So when something happens and your spirit changes, don't give me an excuse why it happened. You did it because that's your nature. You didn't do it because you were assailed. You didn't do it because somebody did this, that, or the other to you. You did it because that's your nature. And somebody provoked you to that extent that you evoked that kind of response. And when the right degree of provocation comes forth, you will see their true nature, their true self. This is what the kingdom is all about. This is what the kingdom is all about. All of these fanciful stories about the millennium when the wolf and the lamb will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like an ox. The lion's nature will never be changed. Now or in the hereafter, there'll be none in the hereafter. Because when they did, they're done. There'll only be people in the hereafter. Or any time after Jesus comes. There'll be no kingdom where lions will play any part in it at all. Not even the spiritual ones. Thank God no lions will be there. Amen. The kingdom of God this way has right spirits. 
We're not talking about temporal or, or physical things now. We're talking about spirits. I don't care about your age. When you maybe you're just a young girl, a young boy, and whatever mama say, watch this, she, you, you know she doesn't hear a roar, a growl. She has a, she hears a yes, mother. And countrywide, you thought you were marrying a little, gentle, little uh, Persian chicken, didn't you? Did you not? But now you wake up one morning and you see some things protruding, long white ivory. Say, what is this? This is, <laughs> this is your kitten. And you know what? And he bears them. That means he's ready to devour. You've got people who every time they're provoked bears those things. That's not just for display. When a lion bears those things, he gets his lips out of the way. <laughs> he don't want to bite his lips because he's fixing to go to action. And the same thing these people, brother, when you see these spirits rise up in these people and bear their things, they mean business. They mean business, brother, and you may well regard it as such. They're not playing a game. They're ready to devour you. Why? Because you crossed their path. And you better beware the word of God says. Read a little more. We're talking about the way now. We're talking about the kind of way. These kind of people are not in this way. They might be looking on to but they're not in this way, brother. Listen, you cannot bring a bad spirit out of a good person. They don't have it. They don't have it. So there's no need of trying to excuse it. And you cannot make a bad person be essentially good. Because they're not. They do some good things. And it's not that you do more good and bad. It's the fact that you do bad at all makes you bad. To any degree. All right, read. No lion shall be there. No, they, they just won't be there. God said that so you can barge your way if you want to. But no lion's going to be there. Nor any ravenous beast. Not any ravenous beast. Go, shall what? Shall go up. Shall go up thereon. It shall not be found. It will not be found there. But the, but the redeemed shall walk there. And you don't redeem lions and cats and dogs and tigers. Men are redeemed. So it could not be talking about no millennium. Only people are redeemed. Jesus died for people, not cats and dogs and lions. Read. And the ransom of the Lord. The ransomed of the Lord shall return. Thank God it comes to Zion, the church of the living God. That's all that Zion is. With songs of everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and the gladness. Sorrowing time shall flee away. You won't have no melancholy spirit here. Praise our God. But because despite the situation, you've got something in your soul that keeps you above it. Thank God is a highway of holiness. Number one, it's a holy way. Is a way where there is no sin. Because it sins in people, not in the atmosphere. So if people are holy, then you've then you got a holy way. You understand it? Holiness is more than a name that's attached to some groups or some buildings. Holiness is a way of life. It is a sinless way of life. And God don't set up an argument theology with you whether you can live sinless or not. He just tells you that you must. So you don't have to spend a whole half a day trying to prove or debating somebody whether you can live free from sin or not because the word of God has already declared that you must do it. So it's not even argumentative. It's settled. God's word is forever settled in heaven. He's going to have a highway there and a way and it's going to be called what? 
a way of holiness. That, that's it. That's final. It's going to be called a way of holiness whether you in it, you in it, uh, whoever in it or not in it, it shall be called a way of holiness. And if you walk therein, you're going to be holy. Absolutely holy. Now, let me read another scripture. Proverbs 14, 12. To kind of substantiate this to some extent. There is a way which seemeth... Now here, now here, we're talking about the way in singular. There are other ways. There are, there, there are several. There are hundreds and maybe eight thousands of other ways. And we understand that. You think your way is the only way? I don't have a way. Thank God the way was here when I came. And if Jesus delays his coming, this way will be here when I'm dead and gone. So I have nothing to do with this. I didn't arrange it. If I'm going to heaven, I have to conform and walk in it myself. Read. There is a way which seemeth right. There is a way that seems that right. Oh, it looks good. It appears good. It has some good tenets about it. There are some good aspects about it. But there's a seem right way. There is a way that seemeth right. Maybe your own particular way might seem right. Maybe a fussing way might seem right to you. Maybe a retaliatory way might seem right to you. Maybe a lusting way might seem right to you. That's your way, not God's way. Maybe a gossiping way might seem right to you. A man can justify himself in anything he wants to do. In fact, you can even go as far as live in a state of denial. You can see something that you know is factual, that actually happened, and you can so fix your mind that you can deny that it exists and live like that. So you can make yourself feel good about it anyway. But to your eternal detriment. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but what's the end of it? Here's the issue. The end of it. Read. But the end thereof are the ways of death. Now this is why you can't be wrong. This is why you can't just pull something out of the hat and say, I'll go here, I'll go there, I'll conform to this religion or that. Because there is a way that seems right, that in your estimation is right, but the Bible says the end thereof are the ways of death. It's not something you just do or don't do and end up perhaps without made a bad choice, but you die and you die everlastingly. You've often heard me say if you miscalculate here, it would be an eternal miscalculation. It would not be something you can correct. The end of all are the ways of death, and I would like to say this to you. Your salvation is not determined at the beginning, but at the end. There are those except the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved, and there's nothing you can do thereafter to interfere, interrupt that salvation. That is as wrong as can be. Your salvation is determined at the end, not the beginning. Accept Christ as perfectly as you will. But the Bible says the end thereof. And it repeatedly speaks about the end. Your salvation is at the end of a holy life, not the beginning. Live as holy as you will, as long as you will. Your salvation is determined at the end. Stem that in your mind indelibly, if you will. And God help us. Well, I'm afraid that kind of thinking has drifted over among us. Think because you can remember you had such a glorious experience and you remember your conversion so graphically and it was so dramatic and all this kind of thing. You think that that can take you all over to heaven? Not necessarily. It's the end of it. A lot can happen between the time you receive this sensation and experience and the time you draw your latest breath. And everything that happened between is significant and inconsequential, if you will. You understand that?
every move that you make can any move can disqualify you this is what we need to understand regarding what happened to people with all they've done any move can disqualify you and if you're disqualified you're disqualified indeed that's why we have to stay abreast with this thing because people will invariably resort to their initial experience which you cannot do that it's good to know a time it's good to know a place but don't take that too far and you can very easily do it now give me Acts chapter 19 it is a controversial way you understand now you listen to me you can have a thousand churches in an area but I will guarantee you only God's true people will cause any stir or controversy you know why because the devil is not a spirit with just religion in fact he promotes that only the way only the true way that's all the enemy is concerned with read Acts 19.23 if you please and the same time there arose no small stir at the same time there arose no small stir about that way now listen during this time they had the Pharisees the Sadducees the Herodians the Ethanese and, and how many other religious groups but there were no stir about those ways the day you got the Baptist Methodism and Catholic there's no stir about those people why because they're not doing the devil any harm they're not arousing anybody they're not telling people you must live free from sin so that's no issue with the devil not at all it causes no controversy but when you tell people you've got to live holy and righteous in this present world it's, it's controversial it causes a stir because they're challenged they're convicted by that that's what causes a stir that's why Jesus caused a stir when he came here he told people how they must live and that caused a stir there had been false Christ and all kind of people before him they caused no stir they joined up with him there arose no small stir about what that's that way singularly it caused a stir then it'll cause a stir now and this way will stir people until Jesus comes again if you preach this gospel under the anointing of God in the clarity of the word of God actuated by the Holy Ghost it's going to stir this world you're going to be controversial so if you are afraid of controversy this is the wrong place for you talk about militants talk about militants back in the middle sixties and thereabout all oh, this word militants all oh, that that was the word of the day if you want to find something militant get in the church of God if you want to be, uh, you know, Mr. Stokely Carmichael and those who wouldn't cut their hair and, and wouldn't shave their faces and all this kind of stuff, amen, and, and implying defiance. If you want to be defiant, live holy. You'll defy this society. You'll be controversial indeed. Why? Because you'll be such an oddity. You'll be such an oddity, they'll figure that we have no place for you. It's going to affect every phase of your conduct. Why? Because you cause a stir. On your job, you cause a stir. In society, you cause a stir. What? Because you are so contrary to this society. They don't know what to do with it. You know, when I went in the Marine Corps, I was in the Marine Corps, and they drafted me, even though I was a country's objector. But my demeanor, my conduct, they didn't know what to do with me. They spent weeks trying to find something to do with me. I didn't fit into that program. We just found a group of old guys, couldn't read and write, and just threw me over there with them. <laughs> anyway, they took my shooting, that's what one of them said. I didn't fit into it. So, you know, they say, well, then just let him live his time. We won't promote him, won't do anything. Just get him out of here. 
called the stir. Called the stir. Oh, that was religious guy of every sort. But it, it wasn't. They weren't on this program. They were just like everybody else. They didn't cause any stir. And today, if you conform to this society, you cause no stir. Amen. But you've got to stand. All souls despite. Yes, you're going to be controversial, but are you afraid of controversy? Then you're in the wrong place. There arose no small stir. If you read a verse or two more, we see what caused the stir. Read. For a certain man. A certain man named, named Demetrius. A, silver a silversmith. Who made silver swine for Diana. Brought no, brought no small gain into a craftsman. Whom he called together with the workmen See, of like occupation. He's interrupting that program with the gospel that he preaches. He's interrupting that program. See? The thing that she was doing was, was totally idolatrous. And a man of God fearlessly preaches against everything wrong. Despite the consequences. But that was unheard of. In fact, it affected all of society. It affected all of society. See, the one when you preach this gospel, see, this society is away from God, the trend of it is. Away from God. Not godly. And if you preach real godliness, it's going to be controversial. It's contrary to the trend. It's contrary to the acceptable trend. Amen. When you tell women this, this society that you should dress in modest apparel and not expose your body, that your body is sacred and personal, and only be to expose the one man other than your parents for a lifetime, that's controversial because of just about everybody showing anybody who wished to look. That makes you highly controversial. When you say a woman should not wear that pertain to a man and a man should not wear a woman garments, that's controversial. Even though the Bible blasted in no uncertain terms. There arose no small stir because when he preached this gospel, the people had to be honest here and had to discontinue their idolatrous involvement. This gospel changes you, transforms you. You have to drop something like a hot potato to walk with God. And you find on later, they, they burn up some books and burn up this and that and the other. And a lot of people need to burn up a lot of things today to walk with God. Oh God. Read a little more, please. You know that by this craft we have our wealth. Wait a minute. This is how we make our living. This is how we make our wealth here. And this gospel they're preaching is messing us up. The one he goes on to describe, but this way is a controversial way. I don't care if you're ch your children and your grandchildren and your relatives and whomever. It's controversial. And you cannot stand four square without being controversial. Not that you're trying to be, but that's just the nature of this way. We're going to hasten on here. First Peter chapter 1, and I want verse number 7. That the, the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, Though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, 
yet believing, he rejoiced with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now here we are. Receiving the end. Receiving the end of a faithful life. The end of your faith. Living consistent from the beginning to the end. The Bible says this is the way walk ye in it. You walk consistently from the beginning to the end. And God has a grace that can enable you to walk consistently. Every day of your life under any and all circumstances. The Bible says he that endures to the end the same shall be saved. He that endures. Endure what? Endure temptation. It's just detailed, very detailed. Endure temptation. What? The temptation to overreact. The temptation to satisfy your flesh in a wrong way. The temptation to retaliate. He that endures those things to the end, successfully, faithfully. The Bible says your salvation hinges on that. Read that again, please. Receiving the end of your salvation. Receiving the end of your salvation. Even the salvation even of your soul. The end of your faith. Even the salvation of your soul. That's what faith is all about. You live this life by faith, by believing God, by trusting God, amen, to vindicate you. Trusting God to sustain you. Trusting God to keep you from evil, not in evil, but from evil. That's what it's all about. Trusting God to deliver you from situations that are difficult. You don't fight your way out. You don't connive your way out. You trust God to deliver you from it. And God is able. And God is faithful. And God will do it. Read a little more. Receiving the end of your faith. The end of your faith. Even the salvation. Even the salvation of your eternal, never dying soul. The end of it. All told the Galatians, you did run well, but what hindered you? You did well. You did a hundred. But you fizzed out before the end. And that disqualifies you eternally. Many people do it for a while. Salvation is exciting to them. And exhilarating and all this kind of thing. But, but they begin to sputter when trials come. When controversy arises. When difficulties come from unsuspected sources, they begin to sputter. When pressure comes, it backs them down. But for whatever reason you back down, you back down nonetheless to the detriment of your soul. For whatever reason, there's no legitimate reason. The end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Let us go quickly to a conclusion here. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Now, the question is, then if it's all of that, why is it that those that walk and that we are in such minority, that question necessarily arises. Why is it so? Well, Jesus gives the best answers that I know, and I don't need to add to it any prefixes or suffixes. Go on, please. Jesus tells us exactly why this way is so unpopular. Read. Matthew, 7. Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse number 14. Because straight is the gate. This is why. This is in detail why. Because straight is the gate. And narrow. And narrow is the way. Which leadeth unto life. Which leadeth unto life. Few there be that find it. Few. Few there be that find it. Why? Because they're not looking for it. 
People are not looking for a narrow way. And many even among you, because they want to know why we can't do this, why we can't do that. The standards are too strict. Why do we don't do this and all this kind of thing? You're not looking for a straight way. You're looking for a way to do what you want to do and still be justified. You're looking for a way to defy the message and still be acceptable. That's why people don't find that they're not looking for it. People want something just to save their conscience or, or somewhere to preach their funeral when they die. They're not looking for a way to make them holy. A way that teach them against the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil. They're not looking for that. And because you don't look for it, you don't find it. Read that again, please. Because straight is the because gate. Because straight is the gate. And narrow is the And gate. narrow, and narrow, and very narrow, very narrow. In fact, there are no, not a lot of, of latitude here. Uh, not a lot of room for variance. It's very narrow. And what do you mean? You can't take your excess with you. You've got to get rid of your excess. It will prevent you. It's narrow. It's narrow. Well, but this religious world, you can take anything you want to take with you. You can take your adultery with you. You can take your fornication with you. You can take your filthy habits with you and fully accept it. You can walk right in, but not in this way. Because it's narrow and it does not provide for all that. This way does not provide for all of those it does not. It just does not. And God is a doorkeeper, so you can't get by with it. That goes for us all. And those who think you might have crept in here with that, you're going to find you're going to be without wedding garments. That'll be pretty embarrassing, eternally so. Read a little more, please. Because straight is the gate. And because straight is the gate. Way. Go on, please. And narrow is the way. Which lead it unto life, and there's no need of trying to revive it because you cannot improve on what Jesus said. You cannot improve on what Jesus said. Nobody can. You don't have that authority. The wisdom or the wherewithal. So the best you can do is conform to it. Because what? Straight in the gate. Straight in the gate. And narrow in the way. Which leadeth unto, lead unto life. And few there be that find it. Oh, they find a way, but they don't find this way because they are not looking diligently. They're not searching diligently. There's a way that you can feel clear and pure in a real way. There's a way that give you real genuine assurance of heaven. There's a way that eradicate doubts and fears of the judgment. And you would be appalled to know the number of people who are trembling in that booth at the prospects of the judgment. A lot of people, they weren't shouting and going forth. Uh, but when the thought of the judgment comes, it quells their shouts and allays their joy. Read once more, please. Because straight is the gate. This is why people refuse to walk in it, because it's too straight. It's too narrow. It does not provide for their fleshy lust and whims, and thoughts, and ideas, and fancies, because straight is the way, and, and narrow is the path that leads to life, and there'll be just a few out of the few. A few out of the few. This declaration was made in response to a question asked by the disciple, Lord, will there be few saved? Will there be just a few saved? And he goes on to explain what it's all about. Men have striven down through the years to broaden this way, but they don't have that capacity. They don't have that wherewithal. Men have tried to squeeze attitudes and thoughts 
and the insubordination and all this kind of thing, but you, it, it, won't, it won't work here. It won't work here. It will not work in the kingdom wherever you are, irrespective of geographical location. So they have no need to go somewhere else because the same kingdom. A congregation might accept him, but not God. Because straight is the way and narrow is the path that leads to life, and there'll be a few that find it. Read a little more. Beware of false prophets. Now a false prophet will tell you that it's not like that. False prophet will tell you that there's an easier way. A false prophet says, oh, that's not necessary. A false prophet says, that's his idea when the word of God clearly states it. A false prophet says, that's personal. But Jesus says it's a must. Few that be that find it. I'm afraid that many who claim to have found it have not really found it. Because I can tell by their conversation, they're not looking for a narrow way. They're looking for, they want to broaden this way. And that, that's real serious. Wanting to broaden this way. They want to bring things in and, and just broaden it, but it, but it doesn't work here. And I'm, by God's grace, I am reaffirming my stand. Now, after I'm dead and gone, I don't know what might happen, and I'll send to my fear. But I don't intend for it to be broadened one iota, so you may well make a decision. I have to add God for new courage, because sometimes I get weary, fighting spirits, people trying to broaden this way and bring in this and bring in that. It, it wills me sometimes, I agree. But by God's almighty grace, I'm intending to ride off this thing on a white horse and keep the word of God as he proclaimed it initially, so that at the end, you can have a testimony, not just a testimony, but an experience that is acceptable to God. And that's what we're doing. We're preaching this gospel so that we can render you acceptable before God. Might be rejected, might not be appreciated, but this is the way. This is the way. Now you have an option. You can walk in it, or you can persist in your own way, as many are doing. If you want to get situated with God, and pray this thing through. We have a prayer room or we have an altar. Whichever. And if there are those of you who have put your foot out of the way and try to snatch it back in, you need to get straightened out. If there are those of you who are trying to feign yourself to walk in this way, you need to get yourself straight this morning. Because identifying yourself with the way does not mean you're necessarily in the way. Now, if you want help, you may stand. We all may stand. We all may stand. If you want help, you may come forth. Shall we stand? There is a way that's free from sin. Give me a verse of that song, please. It, what number is that in the book? It might be beneficial that they would read it. So what is the page number? 255 in your evening light song book. There is a way. A way, a particular way. And it goes on to define and describe that way. And can we turn to it and, and help us sing this way and think as you sing? What is it? That is free from sin. Listen. You that be that will enter in. Watch and pray, watch and pray.
want you to notice the initial words of this song. There is a way that is free from sin. There is a way, not several, but a way, that is free from sin. Few there be that will enter in. Theologians down through the years have tried to broaden this way with their, with their explanations and perverting the scriptures and attacking wrong meanings thereunto to no avail. The way is still the same. And it's forever settled in heaven. But people's attitude are the same toward it as it always has been. There is a way that is free from sin, and few there be that would enter in. Not because it's so difficult, but that unwillingness to unladen themselves with the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're going to sing another verse. If you want prayer, you may come forth. Or whatever your need might be, we're here to work with you and help you as much as we can. Come on in. Praise the Lord. Devour. Watch and pray over them. Watch and pray. Maybe she did. 